whenever times are really strong and the markets are doing really well, we're tempted to want to get more aggressive and get off of this path that makes sense for your your overall well-being and happiness. It feels good in the short run, but then it hurts you in the long run because then you feel uncomfortable when the markets are down or whatever investment program you're in is down. So you want to be able to be more consistent in your thought process and not be sucked in. Welcome to The Market Call Show, where we discuss investing wisely and living well. Tune in every Thursday to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or subscribe on YouTube. Hi, I'm Lewis Giannis with WealthNet Investments. I'm really happy to talk to you at the beginning of the new year. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about what to talk to you first about this year. And one of the things that's on everybody's mind is setting goals, um, figuring out what it is that they want to happen in the next year, and trying to get the the big picture in mind. I was listening to a podcast actually from uh, Dan Sullivan was talking about how to get results. And one of the things he mentioned was that they were there were two things that you really needed. And one thing that you need is commitment. And I think that's that's the one thing that a lot of people, I think, struggle with. But, it, you know, nothing really happens unless you have some commit uh, commitment. And then the other thing that he talked about is that you have to have a measurement. So what is it that you're committed to and what it, what is it that you're measuring? And as I was thinking about that for the beginning of the new year, there's a new uh, program that we have coming out called Wealth Beyond Numbers, which I'm going to be introducing later that I'm really excited because we spent a lot of time uh, putting this together. As part of that approach with Wealth Beyond Numbers, the whole concept was to talk about uh, you know, ways that you can work with your mind and your, the mental aspects of making good uh, money choices and being happy with your finances and having peace of mind, as well as the blocking and tackling of what you need to do. It really boils down to measurement and commitment. There's a hard time that people have figuring out what to measure, and that really boils down to your values and things like that. I really um, I wanted to kind of give you a little preview of that because that's going to be coming down the pike, and you'll have access to that if you sign up and register for it. Uh, it's a free program, but it's 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 very robust. It's like it's like two hours, I believe, of video. There's a workbook that's very comprehensive. So that's coming out, but. Getting back to our topic today of today is most people, when they think about uh, their investment plan, their wealth plan, the biggest goal that people have is really just having peace of mind and having security, financial security for the long run. And that got me thinking about, okay, but what does that mean for today? And, and looking at how we deliver advice and things like that for people. And the thing that I noticed was when we talk about measurement, there's a tool that is used widely throughout our industry. It's called Monte Carlo. And Monte Carlo, which I'll explain more in detail here in a minute, is something that you'll see more and more often. But I believe that it's misused and sometimes could be used a little bit better to communicate and to understand and to make better choices with your overall wealth plan, not just your investments. It definitely deals with investment programs and overall strategy, but also with how you structure your overall financial life. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the pluses and minuses. Whenever you look at the new year, you look at these goals. We were to kind of, I kind of mentioned that earlier. So you're talking about goals and you're thinking about goals. And it got me thinking of kind of earlier in my life, because I was doing the same thing, the kind of the goals for the year. 
And I was thinking about when I was younger, a lot of people don't know this, I was a avid runner. I used to run quite a bit. I'm also a musician. Some of you might know that. I play a guitar. There's an interesting story of how I turned from becoming kind of a musician, runner guy into a financial analyst. I basically fell in love with economics, and um, I really got serious about becoming an investment person in economics. Uh, you know, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I had to do with economics, finance, investing. So anyway, so I started my career, and as I finished, you know, got my career going, became an analyst, et cetera, et cetera, uh, started building a family. Over a long period of time, my life got better and better from a financial perspective, from, uh, you know, relationships perspective. But one thing that always embarrassed me was that um, my weight slowly kept going up and up and up and up, and I literally uh, gained a ton of weight. And then I decided that I was going to lose it, lose a lot of weight. And I did. I, I actually went on a program called Weight Watchers, which you probably have heard of. And uh, I tried a bunch of different things, but I, I went on Weight Watchers and it really helped me. I mean, I shed off literally like 70 pounds and I kept it off for six years. Then uh, this thing called COVID happened and I started gaining the weight back and gaining the weight back. I made excuses of COVID being the reason why. Uh, but you know, I know all the things to do. I know how to measure. I know how to, all the things that I need to do to get, keep the weight off. It was about not doing the basics, like measuring and then having your emotional state in, in mind. So my commitment, I thought about this, you know, my commitment is to actually lose the weight again. And I've started that process again. I'm going to really just talk about a little bit tying that into Monte Carlo and some ways to think about finances because, you know, if you take that concept of, you know, having a money goal and are you ready to retire or if you're going to sell a business or if you need to make better investment decisions, you need to take more control of your, your situation. I mean, a lot of people have something that they're embarrassed about with their money or something that's nagging that you know you need to take care of. It's really important to your overall well-being. So um, I actually uh, kind of, I don't want to say rebranded, but I'm refocusing this podcast to be really aligned with the concept of investing wisely and living well. Uh, because when I look at what the overarching goal is and the things that we've helped people to do, it is to do a combination of those things because your money is tied to your well-being and your physical mental is tied to your well-being as well. So I'm really kind of focusing this on uh, first and foremost about the finances because that's really what um, my expertise is. And I think a lot of people enjoy and want that help, but also to how that ties into making it work in your overall life so you can live well. And that got me thinking about the fact that I'm embarrassed that I lost, that I gained a bunch of weight and I have to lose it again is uh, the same thing that people have with money. And um, virtually everybody has that with money. And I wanted to bring that down to the kind of the tools on how we can start measuring again. So like, you know, some people have little apps that you measure uh, food with. When you're working with an, a wealth plan, you have measurements as well. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what are good ways to measure and what are bad ways to measure and how you can think about your situation as a human being and as a, somebody who most likely has a family and how you want to look at your life and your finances. So overcoming embarrassment sometimes requires you to shine a light on the situation. There's a saying uh, that's out there, all progress starts by telling the truth. 
that is a, such a big important thing. So you first have to shine a light on where you are right now. And then as you're going along, you have to shine a light on what you're doing and make the linkages between what you're doing and your result uh, be more clear so you can actually see patterns. So same thing when we're dealing with uh, finances, uh, what challenge do you have in your life that requires you to plan for things financial? You know, that's something to think about. What are those things? Is it time to shine a light on and look at some of the options that you have with your money? You know, are you making the right choices? Or is there something you're avoiding that you need to shine a light on? And hopefully this podcast can help you think about uh, how to measure that. So a big part of doing this is really pushing through your fears. So what are the consequences of not taking charge of whatever it is that you're avoiding or you're embarrassed about? What are those consequences? Think about that. If there's something that you're holding in your mind right now and uh, really write it down because that's something that can help you, you know, and I, and I know this is stuff that everybody has heard, but sometimes a reminder is really important. So my point of view here is that maybe you've been procrastinating in something in 2023 or maybe for a long period of time and it's a, some decision that you need to make about money, but maybe you're you know, maybe you're about to retire or you have some other life-changing event coming up and you know you need to act. You know you need to do something. It takes commitment and measurement to make any change for the better. So let's talk a little bit about that. I'm going to introduce you now to Monte Carlo. I was talking about one of the most important ways of measuring wealth, wealth in the investment world, and that is, you know, Monte Carlo simulation is what it's called. If you're trying to compare different choices with your money, it's a great tool to help you think it through and make smart decisions. So there's a really a retirement methodology or a uh, Monte Carlo methodology that you can compare to the concept of the money ball. Now, if you've seen the movie Moneyball, uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. So I read an article recently that was put out uh, by the head of RIA platform distributions by Jackson National. So they have a kind of advanced planning enablement platform with that company. That's one of the companies that we look at their research, and they do a lot of research on retirement planning. Tim Munsey and Miles Womack put together a piece uh, where they discussed how Monte Carlo is similar, similar to uh, the Moneyball, but what's the difference? Like, should you have more of a Moneyball strategy or a Monte Carlo strategy? So I think it'd be helpful if you haven't seen the movie or if you haven't read the book to have an idea, or if you don't know the story, uh, to have an idea about what the story is with Moneyball. Back in the early 2000s, a man named Billy Bean was the general manager of the Oakland Athletics. It was They had a really small budget. It's a baseball team, if you're not familiar. Billy was frustrated because his team could not compete with the big names who had big, huge budgets and a powerful team uh, like the New York Yankees. No matter how hard Billy tried, he just couldn't attract and afford the top free agent players who had these huge contracts. So one day, Billy met uh, a, a really smart Ivy League economics grad named Paul, and I want to get his last name right, De Podesta. So Paul De Podesta. Paul started showing Billy some lesser-known uh, baseball statistics, things that people weren't measuring that show the real value of players and that, you know, what value they brought to the game. It was more, uh, these numbers were different than batting averages. Most people look at batting averages first. So uh, they were looking at things like on-base percentage, walks, defensive ability. So Billy started having his wheels turning and 
he wanted to focus on these overlooked stats and find bargain players that had a highly effective rate of winning at games. So this concept was put together, this Moneyball theory was born, while these rich teams were paying millions, tens of millions of dollars for flashy players, Billy started constructing a kind of a gritty team of unwanted misfits. He used Paul's advanced statistics, and he got players that could do more on-base hits, had high defensive value. He didn't care about their outward appearance and their personality. You know, in the investment world, you see that a lot. People will will focus in on an investment because it's a shiny new object, whether it be Whatever that is, it, it could be AI or it could be some trend or sometimes these trends are real, sometimes they're just flashy and, and uh, have limited value within the context of a retirement plan. Uh, we can get sucked in by that and pay overpay for those investments. And that's kind of the moral of this particular story. But the baseball establishment mocked Billy and um, he had like a ragtag bunch of uh, players. But he really had the last laugh because, uh, you know, he started getting he started winning. And this concept has to do with the fact that you can construct different players, different baseball players who have a particular strength. And on their own, they may not look very flashy, but when you put them together and in a way that is a great blend, then you have a strong team, a strong office, offense and a strong defense. So that's kind of the money ball process. Well, what does that have to do with Monte Carlo simulation? Well, I want to explain what Monte Carlo is because Monte Carlo, I think a lot of people get confused as to what it is. So imagine that uh, when you put together a financial plan, the first thing you do is you put together your returns, what kind of money is coming in, what kind of money is getting, probably going to be going out, what you have and what you owe. Those are the basic things. And then there's a lot of other things like your pensions, your social security, what the tax rates assumptions are. There's a lot of inputs. But some of the biggest inputs that you have is really tied, or biggest results, I should say, that you will get is tied to how the markets will do, how your particular investment portfolio will do, and how much money you have, and you know how you approach it. So what, what decisions you make with your uh, taxes, taxes are a big thing, you know, what decisions you make, where you put your money, asset location. So what Monte Carlo does, Monte Carlo says, okay, listen, we don't know if we're going to have a great economy over the next 30 years or whether it's going to be mediocre, whether it's going to be bad. So why don't we look at the historical ranges of outcomes that we've seen in good economic times, bad economic times, look at the returns, look at the variation in those returns, how much they move up and down. And also look at what um, are some of your, you know, like linkages, correlations, how do various investments correlate, like some bonds move together, some stocks move together, and, you know, basically making some kind of forecasts, if you will, not really a forecast, more like a simulation of various outcomes that could potentially happen. So Monte Carlo does that with the, the return stream. And that helps you kind of see various things that can happen. You can also look at each individual asset class and what their particular return profiles are. And you can put forward-looking estimates into that as well. So for example, if we think interest rates are going to be around a certain level, uh, we can say interest rates will be around a certain level and they'll vary a certain amount. We could say, and based on that, and based on you know valuations and where the... Where the uh, 
prices are right now. We have certain expected rates of return over periods of time. So this is what Monte Carlo, kind of the foundation of what it does. But what that does is they run that, or we, when we run this analysis, we run that through their entire financial model. So all the income you have, expenses you have, uh, you know, your tax rates, all that. And we can change a lot of different things. But that can give you an idea about a general confidence as to how well that, how secure your objective is going to be, that you'll re- achieve an objective. Because ultimately, you know, people talk about the S&P 500 and how well or bad it did this year. But what really matters with your personal wealth, because you're not tied to an index, you're not a slave to an index. What matters for you is the sleep at night factor that you actually achieve your objective. So we use the Monte Carlo to say, okay, based on these inputs, what uh, is the probability of success? You know, it, it sounds great on the surface, right? Like, what's the probability of success? But there's some shortcomings of the Monte Carlo. The first thing is it doesn't fully capture compl- complexities of certain cash flows. So you have some expenses that are discretionary that you can or cannot spend on if you don't need to. And then you have some that are must-haves, like shelter, utilities, your you know transportation, things that you must do, food. And then there's other things that you have concerns about when you think about your cash flows. You want to know that those are those are bulletproof. Most people want to know that those are bulletproof. So Monte Carlo doesn't necessarily capture that unless you use it in the right way. And the other thing is that not all failure is equal. So if you have a failure in a simulation, so I want to back up a little bit and explain that. When you run a Monte Carlo, what it does is it runs a lot of iterations. It goes over and over and runs your plan based on various potential outcomes. And then it looks at the whole uh, distribution of your outcomes. And whenever you have a negative year or negative uh, cash flow, any time in the simulation, that is considered a quote unquote failure. So probability of success is basically saying out of all the trials, however many times we do it, uh, we generally do it a thousand times, out of all the trials, uh, what percentage of them fail and what percentage of them are what percentage are positive. The problem is, is that you can have big failures and you can have small failures. And Monte Carlo does not capture that. So the timing and the magnitude of your, you know, the method that, that how you're looking at it matters. So I'm going to talk, I'm going to circle back to that a little bit. So what we want to do is we want to look at a methodology that is, that's going to account for that. But the other thing that Monte Carlo has a problem with is that it limits around the predictions of real life risks, like how long am I going to live, things like that. You can, you can add that into it, but it's not part of the basic Monte Carlo. So you want to, you know, think about like, I could live one year, I could live, you know, 30 years, 50 years. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of also other real life risks, like what about health expenses that are unexpected, that come out of nowhere? You have to be able to, to simulate that as well. So client goals and concerns are a big part of this. So clients define success usually based on basic goals like, like lifetime income. So when I say clients, I mean you. <laughs> you, know, you, you most people say, look, I, I'm going to need a lifetime income that's, that's bulletproof, that's going to make sense for my lifestyle. 
Um, but planning often disconnects from what the client's definition or your definition of success is. So it's important that that what you define as success is clear in the Monte Carlo. So you need to bridge the gap between the mathematics and your perception of success. You can have a particular outcome that lasts, let's say you have a certain wealth path uh, for five years. One wealth path is really smooth going from A to B, and it goes to the, you know, let's just use some hypothetical numbers. It goes from, uh, you know, $1 million to $1.2 million, right? And let's say that happens over five years. You can have a straight path or a smooth path to that, or you can have a very volatile path to that or a big down for, for a long period of time, and then it comes back up to $1.2 million over five years. You don't have a perception of success if you have to go through the mental anguish of a lot of volatility. Sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, well, look at what the S&P did over the last year. It was up 20% or down 20% or whatever. You know, usually it's when it's up. But they forget to, to point out that it was also uh, uh, down 30% during that path or whatever it was, down 15%. People tend to have uh, a risk perception that changes depending on what's happening, happening most recently. So you will not feel successful in your path if you have too much downside, it's too much volatility. So what I wanna talk about is how you can improve and address these concerns. You can capture these concerns and you can stress test. So stress testing is a really big part of it. Like if you think about a rolling five year period of time, let's just say you're, let's just say this is about retirement. It could be about selling a business, could be about a lot of, lot of things, could be about how to manage an inheritance. Let's just say you're retiring and you want to, over five years, you, you just really don't want to lose, have a loss, right? Like you, you don't want to be in a position where like after five years I'm, I'm down. So you want to preserve, you know, most people are in that position. So you can do, you know, simulations to say, what is the probability that I'm going to, you know, have a positive financial outcome over five years? What kind of investment strategy is required to do that? And, and you will find that it's not going to be a swing for the fences type of a strategy. And most people are much more, much happier when they have that kind of a scenario. So what makes it difficult for a lot of people is that whenever times are really strong and the markets are doing really well, we're tempted to want to get more aggressive and get off of this path that makes sense for your your overall well-being and happiness. It feels good in the short run, but then it hurts you in the long run because then you feel uncomfortable when the markets are down or whatever investment program you're in is down. So you want to be able to be more consistent in your thought process and not be sucked in. Or you want to say, I'm going to allocate a certain percentage of my capital to allow me to do play those swings more for my psychology, but limit it so that it's not part of your core strategy. And that's, that's a, one way to deal with that. So the probability of success is important, but we also want to know when we do have a failure in the plan, you know, and, you know, hopefully you don't have many of them in your plan, but you can do lots of things, you know, to make sure that that doesn't happen. But when you do make sure that it's something that's not a devastating big failure. 
And that's when when you have other parts of the players in the portfolio. And this is getting back to the Monte Carlo or the uh, Moneyball concept. When you have different players in the portfolio that are there to just make base hits. So, and that's part of the key is how much of your portfolio is going to be allocated towards those investments that are going to be making base hits. And how much of your portfolio is going to be really geared towards how much liquidity you need in your situation and how much can you have for the longer term growth and how much of your portfolio is generating income versus how much your portfolio is just designed for capital appreciation for a sale later down the line or maybe even never selling it and giving it to uh, your heirs for estate planning. How much do you have in various types of assets? So a big part of this has to do with what kind of overall strategy do I want to have with my wealth? So you may have businesses, you may have real estate, rental real estate properties, uh, you may have other types of assets that are illiquid like private equity, uh, timber, farmland, there's lots of things you can own. Um, how for you, what is that right structure that is going to help you after tax? That is a big part of this equation because taxes can be a huge part and it typically is a huge part of a drag or a huge drag on your net worth. Getting yourself in a position where you're thinking your mindset is not about chasing hot things, but more towards, I want a successful financial situation. I want to sleep at night. That is so important. And Monte Carlo can help you. It can help you structure it. So if you're looking at your best case and your mid case and your worst case, you can, you're comfortable with it. And what you'll notice is that when you handle that worst case in a way where uh, you can really sleep at night, your best case is not going to be as high as if you maximized your overall wealth building, right? So it depends on where you are. You want that financial security and you want your money to last and you want to have the enduring uh, wealth security, then you gotta deal with the worst case scenario, right? Part of the equation. So this is the power of using Monte Carlo because it will allow you to have better ideas about making financial choices. And this is really important if you have, let's say you have different ideas about what you might want to do. And it could be a lots of different things. It could be I might want to sell my house or sell some property, move to a particular location, or I want to retire in this year or versus retiring next year or five years from now. Uh, or it could be my inheritance came in and I'm not sure how I should deal with my inheritance. That Monte Carlo can help because then you can look at these different choices and you can look at the probability of success. You can look at the the worst case scenarios, and then that will help you have more peace of mind and solitude that, hey, I'm making a rational decision here that is going to help me with not only with my wealth, preservation, and growth, but the security and peace of mind knowing that you've done a good job with your investments. So if you're embarrassed about something, or if you're not embarrassed, but you just, they need to shine a light on something in your finances, then I highly recommend that you do a wealth plan. And we do wealth plans. That's our, that's our business. We're also in the investment management world. And that's what we do. We can help you look at the plan. 
We can help you construct your portfolio that's tailored right for you. Think about more of a money ball approach where you have different players. Not every player in your portfolio is going to be hitting home runs. Some need to be base hits. Some need to be holding the line. That's my overall message for today. So as we're entering in or have entered into 2024, if you need to shine a light on something, reach out to us. You can go to wealthnetinvest.com and just click on the schedule a call button and we have just a free discussion with you to see where you are, what you're trying to accomplish. I hope you have a great 2024. We're going to have a lot more podcasts coming out that are going to be really geared towards successful people who want to invest wisely and live well. I'm Louis Yana signing out. We'll talk to you later. Bye. For the latest episode of the Market Call Show, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, and YouTube. Go to www.marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts. If you enjoy the content of this episode, please share it and comment. The information in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriately qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. 